In this episode, Ryan and I discuss several talking points that are prevalent in the big wide world when it comes to life insurance and the infinite banking concept. But we begin today talking specifically about universal life. We had fun, and I hope you do too. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. My name is James Nethery. I'm your host. And I'm Ryan Griggs, your co-host. We're happy to be here having fun. Hope you have fun as well. And uh, when did we start this podcast? Uh, you, I don't know. It's been like a few months. It's been I, several I, months. Yeah. yeah. Last year even. Anyway, I, point I ask is like, like today, point of today's episode, every so often, you know, we go through the months and you hear kind of typical objections. Um, people have a lot of the same questions about the infinite banking concept and becoming your own banker. And so mm-hmm. today we wanted to sort of list those out, just name them, put them on the table. Be like, if you if you have these objections, we get it. We hear you. A lot of other people share the same objections. And then maybe over time through the, out the course of a series, we'll go more in depth on each one. Well, I, I think that this is uh, more than a list of objections. Okay, I think that, you know, and we listed out a couple of topics. And really, these topics, yes, they can be objections. There's no question. But I see this list of topics as like talking points that are that live out in the big wide world talking points. That's good. They are and and that lack clarity. Mm -hmm. So there's, in my opinion, a great lack of clarity on these talking points that we're going to go through Mm -hmm. today so we're just going to cover the big broad list that we just put together like five (laughs) seconds before the camera was turned on um but then as we go forward we're going to do a podcast that really goes deeper into each 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 of the uh topics talking points that i'm telling you lack clarity out in the big wide world and you before you put money whoever you are before you put your money into life insurance you should have clarity on these topics Mm. okay and you know we're just trying to do our part to bring clarity yeah so all right so let's list them so there's let's see how many do we get one two three four five six seven eight all right so i have eight you have eight yeah you have eight I have seven. Okay, close enough. <laughs> well, somewhere between seven and 12 right? <laughs> by the time we finished. All right, so the first one is, uh, you know, can I do infinite banking? Can I become my own banker with universal life or other versions of universal life? Variable universal life, index universal life, equity index universal life. All right, so can I use that? Can I use some version of UL instead of ordinary dividend paying whole life to become my own banker? Uh, second, should I be worried or you know, what, how should I think about direct versus non-direct recognition? Right, so the recognition policy that mutual life insurance companies have. Should I buy, from, should I buy a policy that, has, that practices direct recognition, a policy that, from a company that practices non-direct recognition? And for those companies that offer you the choice, you know, should I choose the direct approach or the non-direct approach? So there's some of that out there. Uh, then the next one, big versus small. You know, is it does it matter? The big companies. Is it, should, yeah, do I need to the pick the brand big name? Big four. Yeah, so big four, oh big five, god. big six. However many. Oh my gosh. Big there are now. Okay. Uh, so size, and then four 
the idea of debt repayment using and it sort of cheapens the concept I think sometimes when people pigeonhole infinite banking IBC becoming your own banker as solely a method to get out of debt um, although it, it can be used for that purpose. Yeah. and that's just one of the sales methods or programs or whatever you want to call it to present this idea of becoming your own banker is how to get out of debt yeah right? yep. so I mean and there are other sales methods mm-hmm. or really it's infinite banking repackaged or or an attempt to repackage. repackaged yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> twisted contorted <laughs> okay know, so that, that's skated yeah all right so number five the subject of dividends uh, where they come from why they matter that's a very broad subject. The yeah, games that insurance companies play with dividends and yeah. the, the games that they played for 200 years with their dividend scales. Mm-hmm. Um, How it relates to the illustrations, the illustrated values. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the subject of dividends. And then, uh, you know, oh, my gosh, I have to pay interest on a policy loan. What? They're going <laughs> to charge me interest to borrow my own money? Yeah. What? So interest on interest on policy loans. Then the subject of stock versus mutual companies. So the yeah. the organizational status, the legal status of the company providing the life insurance policies. And are they owned by shareholders? Are they owned by the uh, policy owners? Uh, and then I think the number eight for me. I had eight. You had seven. I added the internal rate of return. What's the growth rate? Yeah. No, I had that one. I didn't have the get out of debt. Ah. Get out of debt. Oh, okay. <clears throat> you know. Right. Let's create a big old 10-page um, Excel spreadsheet and prove the wonders of the infinite banking concept by mm-hmm. putting all your credit cards and your debts and your first, second, third, fourth, fifth policy up yeah. there. and. You know, and then hiring all the staff and paying all the consultants to run those Excel spreadsheets <laughs> and yeah, it really falls under like a show me the numbers, illustrations kind of thing. The marketing games that are yeah. out there. All right, so you, let's let's just go back to UL. My, sure, yeah. My numbering is completely out of order. Yeah, that's all right. Um, it's, but you originally said, "Can I bank with Universal Life?" Right, and and I want to say. Yeah, by gosh, you can bank with anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we've said it many times. You can bank with farm equipment, margin accounts, CDs, cash, whiskey, tobacco. Yeah, you can bank with anything because banking is a process; it's not a product. Mm-hmm. You know, the banking is just a movement of money, loans, loan repayments, deposits, withdrawals. It's just a movement of money. But whomever is performing that banking function in your life is profiting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the short answer is yes. You can you can bank with Universal Life. What's the problem? I mean, why are you picking on the products? And there's all sorts of new ones, right? That and the the very many different uh, talking. I like your word talking points around those products, right? So the the premium is flexible, right? The the whole Universal Life product suite is supposed to be more flexible. You can change the death benefit. You can change the premium. You can change when you pay the premium. Right. It's supposed to be the more attractive feature relative to whole life, yep. which is um, <coughs> supposed to be more rigid and uh, unfair. Stodgy, yeah. dusty, old, and old. old oh, yeah. my gosh. That's yeah. what, what did, what did uh, Greenspan call, call the, uh, the gold you know, standard? After 66, when he, when he 
1966, I believe he wrote the article. It's like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever, the gold standard. Mm-hmm. But then he comes off of it in the in the in the 90s. He he referenced the gold standard as like very archaic, or you know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know the exact quote, but yeah, yeah. So whole life is archaic. It's easy to pick on. You know, it's been around forever, and yeah, it's boring and. When it works, I mean, find something else. Right. Well, when I when I t- go ahead. Well, let me add this. I want to I want to add into the HELOC. You know, in the list of oh. eight or nine topics. You know, because that's come up a lot on in the big wide world. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But then ultimately, we're gonna we're gonna wind up. I might, might not deserve a number, but you know, we're gonna get into who talks about all of this mm-hmm. in the big wide world. Who prints, you know, in Google articles and blogs and you know videos and youtube and podcasts i mean who's really talking about all of this and what is their kind of perspective not that i want to um beat anybody up in particular but when i go out into the big wide world and 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 you see these things that come up in social media it's i walk away with thinking that oh my gosh that brings no clarity well and i'll tell you that i just i look i'm not the oldest person in the business right not the youngest no nope. might be close but i'm not the oldest uh and i am just continually surprised genuinely surprised at the at the level of the conversation that you see online on youtube on all the various forums that you mentioned things that take to me it's for each one of these i think there's a simple conceptual way appropriate way to frame things to appropriately classify things that instantly clears things up right well man let's and get to it like, well, we wow, don't even whole, need a series to talk about all whole, these <laughs> we really could we could go down the list but uh and we will but it just i i really do feel for people because like really this oh. is the state of things this is yeah <clears throat> yeah, yeah. in like the oldest industry out there this is the state of things like oh my second oldest industry yeah i want to say okay so universal life okay my problem with universal life is that it exposes your capital to a exponentially rising cost of insurance by design period you can't, you can't fix that but all right let's talk about that for a minute look so the problem with universal life one of them there's many we won't cover them all today um let's look at universal life where did where did the whole idea of universal life come from in the early 80s Mm -hmm. right interest rates yeah ef hutton remember him ef hutton speaks everyone listens right um ef hutton who is he with anyway it was a big brokerage house so um interest rates are going like crazy up in yep. the 80s and you have ralph nader on the scene you know the the champion of the consumer mm-hmm. consumer protection um idea and in here interest rates are going up and you know you can get 12 14 percent on cds 30-year bonds i remember way back in the day i ran into a gentleman he still had 30-year bonds that were paying 12 percent Wow. So this was like in the 90s, and there was, they weren't – I don't know why they weren't callable, but right. he rode that thing out the whole 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so interest rates are going up, and you have Ralph Nader and 
you know, protecting the consumers. And then you have A.L. Williams and Wall Street colluding with the term providers Senate yep. to uh, beat up single premium whole lot, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we, we've talked about that. And the, the argument was that it was a loophole for the rich, this idea of life insurance, single premium life insurance. People are putting $200,000 in next year. It's, you know, worth 220 and they're canceling their policy and it was tax free mm-hmm. growth. And so, yeah, all the rich people were doing that. Right. So we got to shut that down. Um, but my, my point is this <clears throat> interest rates were going up you have Ralph Nader you know beating up whole life insurance you have A.L. Williams the term promoters and um, beating up life insurance and so here the life insurance industry is like on the ropes and they're like oh my gosh what do we do well here let's create a new product mm-hmm. you know and we can sell it to all the brokers like E.F. Hutton and they'll sell it to all their brokerage uh clients mm-hmm. um and what it does it kind of tries to unbundle life insurance right it tries to separate the cost of life insurance with this side account that earns interest well interest rates are very high so it doesn't take you know uh much imagination just to use a 10 12 percent internal rate of return on that side account as a cash accumulation portion of the life insurance and then you just attach lifetime term onto that so think about think about those uh, for a minute what, what have interest rates done for the last 40 years come straight down mm-hmm. right okay and people are living longer and so what happens to the the life insurance premium the term life insurance premium every year i have a birthday i'm getting closer and closer to mortality Mm -hmm. so the cost the mortality the cost of insurance the mortality charge increases every year so if you just put that on a graph right your life expectancy you're gonna live to 100 well hell what is the cost of life insurance at age 99 Right, pretty dang high because you're probably dying next year. Mm-hmm. Right, so my whole point is this: they they separated it in a high interest rate environment. This is just universal life, the first version of universal life. You have the high interest rates that you can illustrate as a side account or the accumulation. Um, you know, in ten or twelve percent rates of returns on CDs is going to overcome the increasing cost of the death benefit so they illustrate beautifully in the Mm -hmm. 80s most all of those policies are lapsed or they paid out some people have died no question most of them are not enforced (laughs) and the ones that um stayed enforced the longest they've had increased premium requirements yeah and or probably both decreased death benefits and curiously that we see on in the blog world that that's now part of the pitch, right? It, it's explained that, look, late into retirement, or if you live too long, we'll have to make some adjustments. Sure. right? We're going to have to increase the out-of-pocket premium, decrease the cash value, or decrease the death, the death benefit, benefit, or some combination of the three yeah. in order to keep the policy in force. Well, and now, and, and two, I think part of the argument is, yeah, we got it wrong the first time. Right, oh, but we've, we've, it's better now. We figured yeah, it out. Well, we fixed it with. Uh, well, they came out with variable universal life in the '90s, right? Mm-hmm. So they just changed the side account from an interest-bearing account to a sub-account. 
that looks like a mini mutual fund. So if you buy a variable universal life, what they're using for the accumulation value, the account value is they're called subaccounts, and they just look like mini mutual funds, mm-hmm. right? So they have their management fees and their trading fees in there. Well, tell me, what was the market doing? What was the market doing in the 90s? It's going great. Going great. Up and up right. until it wasn't. Well, now a few corrections later, how's the VUL policy looking? All right, the market does not go up forever, mm-hmm. right? And the same thing has happened with variable universal life policies, right? The market maybe didn't turn out the way that that life insurance illustrated that it would, the returns from the sub-accounts. Cost of insurance has continued to go up every year. That's that's a fact. Yeah. Right. Yeah, unavoidable. Right. So there's going to be, a, if you live, there will be a drain somewhere. Right. And then when typically when people, they hide this fact, right? So like we say that the life insurance component of UL is that annually renewable term. And like they do with just con- just regular term, they'll, they'll make it, a level they have a period of years where there's a level premium payment yeah. so if you get a ul illustration you'll see a level premium payment for 10 or 20 years right however long that level period is well then look at the 11th year the 21st year right the year right after it's no longer leveled out and you see a dramatic increase you're talking about term i'm talking about the term <laughs> component of ul oh, okay right so because I've seen people send illustrations like this, and sure. they'll say, "Well, by the time we get out to year twenty or whatever it is, uh, you know, well, we'll use some of the cash value. Um, you know, it, it's a we we know that that we'll have to maybe give up some of the death benefit if we want to keep the cash value. So we start equivocating mm-hmm. and making excuses out here for a, a real problem, right? Oh yeah. So where, whereas with whole life, you're either paying in a fixed or decreasing amount, right? You'd want to either pay your maximum premium for as long as you can, and eventually you'll have to reduce the premium to comply with MEC limits and all of that, right? So you're either putting in a fixed amount or less, whereas with universal life, you're putting in a fixed amount or more in order to maintain the policy. And whereas with whole life, you're continually gaining benefit, with universal life, you're continually forfeiting benefit. And it's like, so why, why would... I don't. Uh, that see is so clear. I don't understand why that's <laughs> it's so clear. Like, well, look, the, the universal life uh, policies that came out. I mean, I say they came out. They very popular in the nineties. Um, the VUL, and so now they they've probably been out. The equity index universal life. They've dropped the E. Now it's just you know um, index universal IUL, life yeah. IUL. You know they have it right now. Think about that. They got it wrong the first time. Strike one with universal law. <laughs> they got it wrong again with variable universal law. Strike two. And I'm just telling you, they've got it wrong now with index universal law. Strike three. Yep. Um, but if we go into, if we continue, the the cost of the insurance that is going to go up every year that you're alive, mm-hmm. right, that is on an exponential curve. So the longer you live and the further out you go, there's going to take more premium to keep the death benefit in force. Wait, there's no caps or floors on the cost side of it? Hold on. Before we get there. Um, So your account value, Mm -hmm. right, which is what it accurately is termed, your account value in a universal life policy 
on the good years right there may not be a problem in the good years and the early good years there may not be a problem <laughs> but in the in the latter years it, you need to have a pretty high consistent rate of return just to overcome the increasing costs of just the to insurance. break even yeah setting aside even the idea of using the cash value for something like passive income oh, or yeah. supplemental income yeah, and that's another, when you get into the illustrations, they always illustrate this miraculous outcome of premium, you know, that's beautiful and affordable and the accumulation value continues to go up. But then sometimes you'll also see them illustrate, which, let me back up, I don't think it's going to happen. All right, and that beautiful illustration where the premium is consistent and ever, forever, and the uh, account value continues to go up, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. No. But then... Quite often you see income illustrations, right? In addition to the account value always going up and the premium always remaining level or diminishing, it shows throwing off an income. Mm. And uh, that ain't going to happen either. Yeah. And for both of those to happen at the same where's time. Where's that money coming from? Yeah. Well, uh, it's coming from an illustration, man. My number's <laughs> on the page. All right, so... The um, IUL. Let's look at let's look at the IUL for a moment. So, okay, then the life insurance and and to me the life insurance industries are just trying to compete with Wall Street. You know they're creating these products mm. to be attractive in the marketplace, right? Um, which is almost like a weak defense. You need to wake up and figure out who you are, life insurance company, and do what mm-hmm. you do, right? And do it well. Okay, the index universal life. So now they come out with the index universal life and they say well listen we won't go into the market your your account value won't actually be in the market but we'll use the side funds the indices various indices s&p 500 whatever and they create their own indices goldman sachs all the big banks have created their own industry their own indices all right and then they um put caps and floors minimum and maximum Right, which that's nothing new. That comes from, I mean, options have been around a long time, but like the uh, indexed, uh, the fixed indexed annuities, you know, they've been out and they've mm-hmm. used that a long time. And, and so I'm just saying now that we put caps on the upper potential of earnings in a given year based on indices, but then we put a floor, a zero. And then so you, you can't lose money. You can't lose money. Zero's your hero and all of these things that like but you can't lose money. Just don't get any older. <laughs> don't have any birthdays. All right. So um let's not worry about all the other contractual provisions and details in there and just focus on that. You can't lose money. And then we'll end it right there. So that should be enough for you, Mr. Prospect. You can't lose money here. And look at, you can earn 10, 12, 14% interest over yeah. here without losing money. Madoff numbers. Bernie Madoff numbers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> 1% a month. <laughs> All right. So you want to talk about the caps and the floors, which that can be complicated. It's not really complicated, but it could appear to be complicated. No, I think that's good. I mean, I think very couple. Well, let's, let's I look. don't know what all the hubbub. I don't know. It just amazes me that there are so many people out there pushing it as hard as they push it. It's like, I, you know, maybe we should sit down and debate one of these people or something. If that, if they, were, if anybody was ever open to that kind of thing in this business, which I doubt. But uh, 
I, I just I don't for the purposes of infinite banking. I don't see how it even enters into the discussion. And even for people who aren't into infinite banking, might they're maybe they're in that investment paradigm. You know, they've they did the Dave Ramsey stuff. They're read they read, you know Money Magazine and all these kinds of things. That's adopted the conventional mainstream line of financial thinking. You know, even for those people, like I don't know why you'd want to. To me, it's like never a good idea. You should always play to your strengths. If that if you're into the investment paradigm, okay, well, go play in the stock market or something. Sure. Here you have this product that attempts to have the be- best of both worlds. Like, we want to be an investment product and we want to be life insurance. It's like we're going to fail on both. I mean, yeah. it's, I just don't get it. I really just don't. Well, that's a very old argument against uh, like BUL and UL and IUL from the investment perspective, the investment advisor's perspective. Yeah. They're like, why are you combining life insurance with an investment? You know, and you're exactly right. You're going to fail at both. Or you're not going to do as well as you yeah. could have. What's so great about life insurance such that they can give you a 0% floor and, you know, some positive cap, right? They can guarantee you growth every year in the market only because it's life insurance. Like, is there something magical about the addition of life insurance? Of course not. In fact, all there is is regularly rising cost. So it's just, I don't, and we didn't even talk about loan provisions. I mean, now the the value of the collateral is uncertain, right? Or we could at least say the, the value of the collateral is certain to diminish over time as you get older and older, right? Eventually that exponential rising, exponentially rising mortality cost will outpace whatever kind of growth you have in the cash value. No question. Right? Assume for however long you want to live. So you're going to reach that point eventually, okay? Well, so now we're collateralizing an asset with that over time, the value of which is guaranteed to fall. Yeah, it's just going to lap sooner. Yeah, they, I mean, how could, the, how, could the, how could that loan be any more favorable than a policy loan and dividend paying whole life where the value of the collateral is guaranteed? Mm-hmm. It can't be. It, con- it conceptually, <laughs> logically cannot be. You know, I, I want to I say, too, that, you know, I've heard um, – you know, clients bring up, you know, UL, different things at different times, but specifically when you hear the word corridor, you know, there has to be a corridor between the cash mm-hmm. value and the death benefit. And um, that's a universal life term, right? And so as the, as the cost of insurance continues to rise and you illustrate these products out into the future you'll typically see the death benefit decreasing so it's flattening the corridor between the death benefit and the cash value Mm. right and you have to do that to be able to illustrate an income right and it so i'm just saying there's um when it comes to illustrations on universal life policies and i'm specifically talking about iul you know, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners came out a couple of years ago and limited the internal, the average rate of return that you could illustrate on a life insurance policy. Gosh, I think why about they have that. to do that? Why would they have <laughs> to do that? Prior to, and I think they capped it at 6%, I believe. I'm, don't hold me to that. Well, prior to that, you know, you'd see Universal Life illustrations ran at eight nine ten all day long yeah eight nine or ten percent illustrated rate of return for the next humpteen 30 35 years <laughs> really okay made well, off numbers <laughs> well, and and now so since the the naic 
limited on the the rate of return that a life insurance company could illustrate on an IUL policy, they've come out with these multipliers. Yes. All right. To get around it. To get around it. So now they can, using multipliers, they can illustrate an higher, a higher average annual return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now the NAIC is looking at that, and they might bring – yeah. They might correct that. <laughs> so always new additions to work around. Right? Yeah. We, we want to illustrate yeah. uh, unlikely market performance over the course of this individual's lifetime. And either it's going to be through high assumed interest rates or with these additional <coughs> riders that um, the, these multipliers one way or the other, we're going to, we're going to show a nice yeah. illustration so that we can sell from the illustration. Yeah, that's really the point. You know, and two, you said earlier, <clears throat> you know, can can you bank with universal life? You know, can you practice the infinite banking concept with that? And you know, you kind of went off into well, concerning IBC. But if we if we back up and just look at life insurance, mm-hmm. right before we move off of IUL, um, the very structure of universal life is flawed because mm. of the increasing cost of insurance. Now, now think about that. You take a flawed product, and I'm saying this, and listen, I'm not saying anything I haven't said in the home office of every life insurance company I've been invited to. <laughs> All right? I'm in rooms full of them. It's flawed by design. Well, tell me, young man, how do you correct that? Tell me what, what a farmer would do if a farmer had a two-headed calf. That... That's flawed. I'm not saying God flawed that design. There's something in nature that caused that to happen. Well, how do you correct that? What 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 can the farmer do to correct that? Or the dairyman, you know? You can't correct it. So the most merciful thing that he could do is put the animal out of its misery. Yeah. I mean, in the the point applies. This is flawed at design. By design, it's flawed. Yeah. How do you correct that? And my point is you can't correct it. So what do you do? You put it out of its misery as soon as possible, as soon as it makes sense. I'm not encouraging anyone to do anything but educate yourself. And you should educate yourself on these talking points before you decide to put money in life insurance of any kind, Mm -hmm. my opinion. No, I agree. If you're someone who is practicing infinite banking, it, it's good to have to understand why universal life and its very other various other forms don't work or are not proper for infinite banking. Um, and like you say, even outside of the infinite banking context, that they're flawed by design. They are. <clears throat> All right. So are you are you trying to beat up universal life just because you don't like it? <laughs> Or, you know, you're feeling defensive out there, reading stuff, seeing stuff on, you know, talking to prospective clients. I mean. Um, we we talked about this earlier, that it's easy, that it seems like there's a lot of people online who accuse people in the infinite banking world, people who like whole life, of just being product partisans. Kool-Aid right? drinkers. Yeah, we drink the just, Kool-Aid. Just, we're married to the product and right. just got the blinders on we're ignorant of other products you know we we need a we need more designations we need more professional industry designations to fill the width of the page so that we have the proper you know authority granted from other flawed human beings to understand this product right um 
right. So uh, kind of want to beat it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, if you want to own Universal Life and you know hope that it works out, perfect. Yeah. If you want um, a death benefit that's payable at natural mortality, term isn't going to provide that, and Universal Life is not going to provide the numbers that you think it. Yeah, or it illustrates. The only thing that's going to provide a guaranteed death benefit at natural mortality mm-hmm. is a whole life policy that has the premiums have been paid. Well, to. And, and let's nail this too because it's often the people who talk about universal life online always implicitly present the discussion in like an either or fashion. So typically a universal life promoter nowadays now that they've had 40 years to see the disastrous track record of universal life oh now wait a minute that that presumes that they're 40 years old and that presumes that they've had 40 years in the life insurance industry or that they've even even paid attention to the history of life insurance true all true i knocked every one of those off all right so assuming all of that which didn't have generous right so (laughs) we'll assume all that anyway okay um angelic intentions right assume angelic intentions always (laughs) So they get, they get through all of that and they say, well, you know, if your desired goal is to accumulate early cash value and not to build up a substantial death benefit, then something like a universal life could be for you, right? So the, the idea is that the, the different components that we come across in the discussion of life insurance, you know, those are mutually exclusive. You know, so if you want this, then you should go with this product. If you want that, you should go with a different product, right? And I, f- I find a lot of times that this sinks into people's thinking where they're like, well, if I wanted a high rate of return, then I would do something other than IBC or I would buy something other than dividend paying whole life. It's like, no, no, I would too. This, this isn't the case, right? It's not about, oh, I, we, we want to put certain uh, characteristics, certain qualities above others. We, we have certain priorities, so we're gonna choose one product over the other. No, no, no. All boxes are checked, right? It's not a this or that thing right. with IBC and dividend paying whole life, right? This isn't about this or that. It's not about another uh, segment or component of your overall portfolio. That's not what we're talking about here. At the end of the day, that portfolio, whatever it is, is going to generate income, which is going to go to somebody's bank. And either you're the owner of that bank or you're not. That's the discussion, right? <laughs> so it's it's not a this or that thing. And we, not at it, all. Yeah. We don't, when we talk about IBC our whole life, we, it's not, we don't have that same presumption, that same initial framework where we say, oh, well, you know, we're going to do an IBC policy design to get you early cash value, but we have to give up death benefit later on. No, no, you're going to end up with more death benefit than you ever would have got in the first place, yeah. right? So it's like, and conversely, it's not the opposite. We're not focusing on the death benefit at the expense of, say, the cash value or the dividend or, or flexibility in the premium. There's another thing. We don't have to give up <laughs> flexibility in the premium. No, it's not the case that, yeah. that premium and dividend paying whole life is rigid. Maybe it is if you don't know how to design life insurance. Maybe that's who these people have talked to before. But if you know proper whole, dividend paying whole life, IBC style design, then there's as much or more flexibility than there is in universal life because you're not intentionally, purposefully giving up the things that you would value, like the, the, the cash account, like the, like the equity that you would build with dividend paying whole life. So it's, I think people, when they start to, the reason I'm bringing this up is that when people start to engage 
with the comments and the, the opinions online from the alleged experts with their page width of industry designations, I, don't, I think even the writers of those things don't realize the, the framework they're coming into it with. They're so stuck in that investment style paradigm <laughs> that they, they don't even realize that the, the, the initial assumptions are different, right? We're not in a mutually exclusive world. This no. isn't about rates of return versus death benefit versus whatever sort of equity you might build. It's and, 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 right? So I just- uh, You feel better? I feel a lot better. Okay. Thanks for letting me share. Well, listen, before, <laughs> before we move off of uh, IUL, let's, you, you've got to look at uh, or, or just think about. Consider this, right? With whole life insurance, you have what are, what are called non-forfeiture options, right? These are guarantees that only exist in permanent whole life insurance. They do not exist in universal life. Mm. All right. And so what is there are several non forfeiture options and we'll probably get into that later. I'm just saying that you give up um I don't even know what guarantee you retain with universal life. Tell me what guarantee you even retain with universal life other than you can't go below zero on an indexed return in a given year. That's a guarantee. So if the indice that you've allocated your account value to loses, let's say it's like the S&P 500 index, mm -hmm. and the S&P 500 index actually lost 10% in a given year, you're contractually guaranteed that you will not earn any interest in that index that given year. And there will be no loss in that index. You, they won't come to you and say, hey, the S&P was down 10%, so you're going to have to give up 10% of mm -hmm. your account value. All right, so the guarantee of zero on an annual basis on the earning, that's the... On the growth side. On the, on the growth, right? The, that's the guarantee that if the indices are down, you won't earn any interest, it's a zero. Yeah. That's a guarantee. What other guarantees does a universal life policy give to the owner? What other guarantees does the owner have or retain with a universal life contract? The, they, they're guaranteed to bear the cost of the rising mortality expense. No question. Yeah. And then there might, there might be, I've seen some where there is a guaranteed minimum death benefit. Right? So after they drain the cash value dry, mm -hmm. right? And after the premium's been hiked, right? If the premium is still continues to be paid, right. then there will be some right. minimum. And, and don't leave that but, out but because this- You have to do pay the premium, otherwise it laps, there is no- Exactly. Non-forfeiture. The, the guarantee IUL, the guarantee UL, which is a big deal, you know, in the industry, you know, solving for death benefit, you want the no lapse guaranteed product. Mm -hmm. right? Well, that no lapse guaranteed products comes with that minimum guaranteed premium that you have to pay. If you don't pay the premium, you don't retain that guarantee. Right, right. Which I'm not saying good, bad, or indifferent. That's just the way it is. And you paid the cost for that writer the whole time. Yes, you did. As well. <laughs> you paid for well, the consumer pays for everything, yeah. right? Okay, so what other rights? We have a no-lapse guarantee if you want to purchase it. We have the minimum zero crediting if an index is negative in a given crediting mm -hmm. period. Okay. What else? Guaranteed rising costs. Guaranteed rising bear. costs. Yep. Jeez. Yeah, I'm all in. Let me throw hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> into that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, so I'm just saying that 
that you don't even have the guarantees that should come with a life insurance. And I say should. Yeah. I'm just saying that the whole the whole idea, the very nature, the spirit, the principle of insurance is I want to offset the risk, and I'm going to pay for that to someone else. Yeah. There's a 100% chance that I'm going to die. We're all going to die, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't want to die too soon, right? And and I want to cover that risk by paying you, life insurance company, a premium, and that if I die too soon or sooner than I expect, the death benefit's going to take care of my family and all the people that I love, mm-hmm. right? So I'm offsetting that risk of early mortality. Now, look, if we go, uh, let's look at the car, all right? We, we all have to have automobile insurance. You know, I'm a good driver. I don't have wrecks. But in case I do, I'm going to offset the risk by having automobile insurance. So if I do have a wreck, the insurance company is going to come in there and make everybody whole. Fire insurance, home insurance. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm offsetting the risk. That is, that's the nature. That's the essence of insurance. Right. All right. With universal life, I retain that risk violating the principle of insurance violating the very spirit of insurance yeah i mean well james what do you mean by that okay well if i don't pay a premium or i have to lower my premium right um which could happen even if i didn't lower my premium if i continued to pay my premium I'm still retaining the risk that that death benefit is going to be enforced because mm-hmm. if that cost of insurance out increases my premium and my account value, the death benefit's going to go away. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, how profitable can that be for a life insurance company? You pay us for a risk that we're going to let you retain. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's yeah. terrible. And if you can't think through that, you know, or you get lost with illustrations and great big magical presentations. Mm-hmm. Um, you should keep reading. Yeah, you should keep learning. This is one of the very many reasons, the very very many reasons why we we say I say that you know the illustration is really beside the point. You know, we need there, there are much more significant. If people weren't so obsessed with illustrations and spent that energy focusing on the concepts behind these products behind these sales pitches right then we'd all save ourselves a lot of time because i think (laughs) we'd get we get hung up on the fancy illustrations oh you know how nice it looks and it's gonna last for so long prevent a lot of disappointment too you just yeah yeah right yeah i'm with you I, i you know uh we just traveled we drove to uh, Colorado <laughs> from Texas. You know, I love a map. I want, I want to know where I'm going. I want to have an idea of where I'm going to wind up if I take off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the whole trip was, I don't know, nine or ten hours. The scenery was awesome. Yeah, really awesome. The The conversation was awesome. The company mm-hmm. was great. Um, man, I did not live or die by that map on that trip the same thing i want an illustration give me an idea of where we're going Mm -hmm. and what's possible let me know how to work this and how to own it and master it this product this asset of life insurance and then let me enjoy the trip let me go do what i'm going to do anyway Mm -hmm. kind of the same thing i want an illustration but i'm not going to live or die by that illustration right but i do know how to make an illustration 
or a policy perform better than it's illustrated. And you and should know my, if that map tells you you can get my the car. clients do too. I'm just saying. <laughs> and you should know if you, if, that, if a map were to show you that you can get from Texas to Colorado by car in say five hours, rather than the nine it really took. Well, then you should probably throw the map away. <laughs> Something's wrong. With that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> should probably get a map that illustrates reality rather than fictional assumptions i tell you what looking at some of these illustrations and and i don't ask for illustrations you know i mean people send me illustrations probably you too i know they do Mm -hmm. um regularly like james this is what i'm doing i don't think it's right and your suspicions are probably correct (laughs) um (laughs) 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 um looking at some of these illustrations lately over the last several months it's like my gosh, this looks like an investment pro forma. This looks like somebody's trying to get you to invest in some blue sky here, mm-hmm. you know. And, but the consumer or the investor and the, you know, when I talk about a pro forma, you know, it's like they don't even know what they're looking. They at. really don't know. Yeah. That's so, really the issue. Then there, so then the encouragement is for you to make a decision based on a bunch of numbers on a page that, in a state of confusion. Oh my God, and. You know, and this, this, there's nothing right about that. Yeah. There's nothing right about that. I don't con- care who Confusion. You are. The more confused you are, the less questions people are likely to ask, hey. especially because they feel <clears throat> intimidated. Okay. Well, well, let me say this one last thing. One thing I have seen on the Universal Life people is they'll say that, well, prov- promoters of whole life will add a term writer, which is fair. We do that. And sometimes that's an admission that we're trying to make whole life look like universal life (laughs) right (laughs) because we're trying to we're adding did you see that somewhere yeah oh my gosh in the article that uh don't name names i showed you (laughs) yeah can't even read that one uh yeah but i will maybe of course so the key difference being you know you have a right to drop that term writer Mm -hmm. right because the idea is oh well if you add a term writer and you keep it on forever well, then you're going to have the same internally rising cost of insurance, too. And it's like, yeah, that's true, except when you don't, except when you get rid of it. You mean it was a 10- or 20-year term rider, and it was meant for 10 or 20 years? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, I just want to say like that doesn't make any sense either. Like, no, we're not trying to – doing whole life the way that in people in the, infinite ban- in the infinite banking world might do it say if you did happen to use a term writer, which by the way is not necessary, but if you happen to do it that way, it is not the case that we're trying to pretend to be universal life. So are you saying bloggers are like, uh, bloggers or, I mean, I don't wanna give them too much credit. These promoters of these products and, you know, in, in social media, they're like telling you know, when it comes to the infinite banking or the whole life type person who's drank the Kool-Aid and who's short-sighted, can't see past the company, mm-hmm. or am I hearing you correctly, saying as you read those articles, they're, they're, they're presenting our opinions and presentation or our opinion of life insurance in general. So they're telling the reader the listener what we think or intend yes. and then they're pointing out what's wrong with that right yeah yeah it's called straw manning <laughs> <laughs> that's a fake argument for a fake preconceived solution yeah to validate 
their I mean, their I opinion. Look, I'm, yeah. they're, they're well intended and everything. Angelic I'm, intentions. Yeah, I mean, but they should be careful. I mean, it, it, the the problem again is that they, there's no economic foundation. Well, in to guide why they would want to do this or that thing. Yeah, let me let That's me. How they end up trying to play in both the investment and the life insurance it, sandbox. It seems time. to me like. You know, and it, and it kind of I, I see these lists the, uh, um, like the top ten companies to practice infinite banking with, mm-hmm. you know, and you're 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 reading the list and you're thinking, My, that must be who they're appointed with because none of those companies mm-hmm. should be in the top twenty, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But it's presented out there and it lives forever online, so it must be true. Um, anyway, <clears throat> I, I'll I'll save it for more in-depth on universal life sales gimmicking marketing yeah product pushing fairy dust smoking mirrors <laughs> and you know i mean you see it out there in the big wide world but i'm starting to see it creep into the infinite banking footprint in the oh yeah in the world and it's like eh, yeah who why just stop it just quit <laughs> just stop, stop. <laughs> right that's all just don't do that okay i covered it I covered nah. what I want to say about UL. I'm, I'm leaving else? a point or two off, but I can't recall what it what they were. But the I'm bottom sorry. line is the, in my opinion, from what I see, the the owner retains all of the risk, mm-hmm. and there are next to no guarantees in a universal life contract. And and I think the life insurance company should uh, stiffen their backbone. Right, and recognize who they are and embrace who they are and deliver the products that they have and they're capable of delivering and they've delivered over the last couple of hundred years. And then two, if I get go back to what you mentioned pretty early on is, you know, when you get down to the fundamentals, the very basics, you know, and you can properly classify things, all of a lot of this stuff goes out the window. It really if should. You just consider the basics, the fundamental basics okay all right i hope that was helpful yeah thanks for listening talk to you next time thank you for joining us on the banking with life podcast if you're watching on youtube make sure to like and subscribe otherwise find us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to join us weekly